This talk has been recorded at the Vanamali Gita Yogashram, Rishikesh, North India, situated on the banks of the holy river Ganga at the foothills of the Himalayas. This is the fifth talk in the series and is on the fourth chapter of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, entitled Jnana Karma Sanyasa Yoga or the Yoga of knowledge and renunciation of action. Om Sri Krishnaya Paramatmane Namaha
that the practice of karma yoga is fraught with difficulties since desire is the enemy of even the wise and is ever lurking within the heart and mind of man and this enemy has to be conquered only by a gradual sublimation of the senses to the mind the mind in the intellect and the intellect itself in the Atman or Supreme Spirit within us. This does not seem to be such an easy method. Can anyone succeed in this practice? Our will is feeble and our desires powerful. Under these circumstances, is there any hope for us? Now comes the highly soliciting message of the fourth chapter. Lord Krishna openly declares his avatarhood. This is the ancient yoga which I had first declared to the sun god, he says, handed down from generation to generation. It had been lost due to the passage of time, but now he was reaffirming it for the sake of his friend and devotee, Arjuna. Arjuna, not understanding the divine nature of his charioteer, whom he had hitherto considered as his cousin and friend alone, immediately asked how Krishna who was his contemporary, could have revealed it to the sun god at the beginning of time. Krishna takes this opportunity to reveal himself as the avatar. The theory of the avatar is very difficult for the modern mind to conceive. Even if we believe in God, how can the unborn impersonal, be born as a human personality. According to the Vedantic view, everything here is divine. Every particle in the universe is nothing but the divine force in action. Far from the unborn being unable to assume birth, all beings are the one unborn spirit without beginning and without end. The assumption of imperfection by the perfect is the whole phenomenon of this mysterious universe. All existence is a working out or an evolving of the one eternal spirit. Even what we know as inert matter is not really dead or devoid of consciousness as even modern science is slowly coming to accept. Every atom and subatomic particle is imbued with the will and intelligence of the spirit. This universal will develops its powers from form to form, and in man it draws nearest 
to the full expression of the divine and can become conscious of its divinity. Now this being the case, every man can be considered an avatar. So what is the difference between a Krishna and an Arjuna? The Gita declares that the birth of the avatar is the opposite of the normal birth, though the same method of nature is used. The one is a birth from knowledge into knowledge, with all powers intact and a full awareness and consciousness of his supreme status. The other is a birth from ignorance into ignorance, under the shroud of Maya or the cosmic veil in which all creatures are covered. What is the reason for the birth of an avatar? The seventh and eighth verses give these reasons. In order to uphold dharma, that dharma which gets lost now and again and which has to be resurrected in the heart of man from time to time. The Hindu religion is known as the Nādhana Dharma or the eternal Dharma which has ever existed and will ever exist till the end of all existences. It gets obscured now and again and the avatar appears to uplift and revive it. The divine incarnation is thus an individual symbol of a universal purpose. The avatar looks like an individual, but he is really a universal. The avatar comes in order that human nature may, by molding its thoughts, feelings and actions on Krishnahood or Christhood, transfigure itself into the divine. The law of dharma which he re-establishes is for this purpose and not for the mere purpose of upholding an ethical ide ideal. Which work can be done through his vibhudis like the great saints and great men. Thus we find that each avatar holds himself up as an example and declares his oneness with the divine. The word avatar means descent and this descent is a direct manifestation in humanity by the divine in order to aid the human soul in his ascent to the divine status. It is a manifestation from above of that which we have to develop from below. So it is to give dharma or religion an inner and outer living 
which will enable man to grow into the divi divine that the avatar comes. The ordinary man has to evolve and ascend into Godhead, but the avatar is a direct descent into the form of humanity. He is thus a dual phenomenon, for he appears human and is yet divine. This has to be, for the object of the avatar is to show that the human birth, with all its limitations, can still be made the means for a divine birth. If the avatar were to act in a superhuman way all the time, this purpose would be nullified. Even human sorrow and suffering he might assume, like Christ or Sri Rama, in order to show that suffering itself might be the cause of redemption. The question of the avatar plays a great part in the teaching of the Gita, for the story is of the avatar Krishna leading the vibhuti Arjuna into the divine birth through the path of divine action. The crisis in which the avatar appears is always a crisis in the consciousness of humanity when it has to undergo some new development. When the crisis is only an intellectual or practical one, exceptional individuals or vibhudis are all that are needed to tide over the crisis. But when the crisis has a spiritual basis, then a complete manifestation is called for. This spiritual crisis has two aspects, and an inner and an outer. In the inner, the enemies within are desire, ignorance, and egoism. The outer is a struggle between dharma and adharma, righteousness and unrighteousness, the former supported by man's godlike nature and the latter by his demonic side as in the Mahabharata war, which has been made the external symbol of a conflict both on the individual as well as on the universal plane. In such situations, the avatar appears in order to bring nearer the kingdom of heaven on earth. As Krishna says in the 11th verse, it matters not in what form he comes, because in whatever way man approaches him, in that very way does he accept him. This Catholic view of the Gita accepts many ways and many gates of approach to him. None are condemned. All approaches are sanctioned. 
men of lesser intellect may approach lesser gods for the gratification of one or other of their desires. But even these are but tottering steps on the main path and must eventually lead to the Supreme One through the sacrifice of knowledge. The great consoling message of the Gita is that it accepts all mankind in whatever level of evolution it might be. It does not expect everyone to be at the topmost level just because they happened to have heard the word. A child cannot be expected to grasp the theory of relativity, however brilliantly a teacher may explain it to him. So also we are all children proceeding along the spiritual path, and all of us find ourselves at certain levels or stages of life. This is called the Chaturvarna or fourfold classification of man, which is really a fourfold classification of human nature. We stand at many different levels and can only evolve from the level in which we are placed. The Gita makes it clear that yoga is establishment of harmony at all levels of being. There is nothing superior or inferior in this world. Everything that has been created has a purpose and value in its own level. The level in which we are now, however low it may seem, is also equally valuable. Our action and conduct in this particular level has to be in harmony with that level. There is a fitness and beauty in such an action. This is yoga. There is a fitness and beauty in a child behaving like a child, however foolishly it might look from the adult's point of view. To force it to behave in an adult fashion would be detracting from its original beauty. The secret of action is one which has confused even the minds of the sages. So in the remaining verses, the Lord outlines in a most beautiful way the different aspects of karma, vikarma, and akarma, action, special action, and non-action. Arjuna thinks that action is what keeps the man in bondage and non-action is the only way to evolve. He has already been told that embodied man cannot remain inactive even for a moment. So act he must. In this chapter, he is told of that special karma or vikarma of the mind which can transmute the dross of ordinary action 
into the gold of non-action. When harmony is established between ourselves and the universe, our actions cease to be actions and become non-actions. Then one can see action in inaction and inaction in action, says the Lord. This sounds like some sort of conundrum, so we have to analyze it carefully. Inaction, inaction is the action of the karma yogi. The action is dedicated to the absolute. It is a yetnya, and we ourselves as individuals are a part of that absolute and the process of the offering through the medium of action is also the absolute. Samarpanam Brahmahavi Brahmagnao Brahmanahudam Brahmevatena Gandavyam Brahmakarma Samadhina All action is a movement of the universal force of God being within itself. The divine is the lord of his work and the individual is only the channel working through the instrumentality of his nature subject to his lord and master. By the flaming intensity of this knowledge all his actions are burnt up as in a fire and it is as if he remains inactive. This is the first sign of the karma yogi. The second is freedom from desire. For where there is no egoism, desire is starved out. Outwardly, the karma yogi may seem to undertake works of all kinds, perhaps on a larger scale and with more force and energy. For the might of the divine will is working through his nature. But the thrust of desire is completely wiped out. Kama Sangalpa Varjita. The Karma Yogi has no personal hope. He does not seize on things as his personal possessions. He receives what the divine will brings him and is jealous of none. Whatever comes to him, he takes without repulsion and without attachment. Whatever goes from him, he allows to go without grief. His action is purely on the physical plane. Shariram kevalam karma. He is uninvolved mentally with the fruits of his actions. The result may be success as the world understands it, or it may be failure, but to him it is always success because he does not seek for personal victory, but only for the fulfillment of the divine will which works out its mysterious ends through apparent failure 
as well as and often with greater force than through apparent victory. Arjuna is assured of victory, but even if certain defeat were before his eyes, he must still fight because this is the present work assigned to him by the divine will. When a man who is thus filled with knowledge and free from attachment acts for the sake of sacrifice, his actions are inaction. That is to say that even though a karma yogi acts, he can still be called inactive. To make this point of inaction in action a little clearer we can take an example a man proceeding to a certain destination sits in a train apparently inactive yet the train is hurtling towards its destination and he will reach there sooner or later with the least train and difficulty on his part. There is a cyclist, on the other hand, who is proceeding towards the same destination and is pedaling hard beside the train, trying his best to catch up with it. The former is action in inaction, and the latter is action and action alone. All of us are peddling hard to make ends meet, to achieve many desires, running hither and thither, exhausting ourselves physically and mentally, achieving perhaps a few things on the way, but more often than not, getting what we do not want and hardly ever getting what we really want and eventually coming to the end of our life sick and tired, helpless and hopeless. The karma yogi, on the other hand, though putting forth equal effort, is really unconscious of the effort he puts in, since the entire burden of his work, its method and its purpose, rests with God. His attitude is such that action is no longer a painful thing to him. A mother looks after her child, bathes him, cleans him, feeds him. Does she ever think of complaining of the difficulties of her labor? No, never, because it is a labor of love. As far as she is concerned, these actions, though arduous, are no actions, since they produce least strain in her. So also the actions of the karma yogi, who performs for the sake of his divine beloved, can no longer be called actions and cause 
new bondage in him. This is the vikarma, which or special action of the mind, which cha changes karma into akarma, is the outward action, is not moistened by the heart's affection. Even the performance of swadharma would be a barren task. What a difference between a nurse looking after a sick man and his wife looking after him. To the former, it is an arduous task since she does it only for the sake of the fee which she is being paid. For the latter, it is a labor of love and no effort is grudged. So it is not action which constitutes the bondage and the drudgery, but the attitude or vikarma by which it is done. Any action if done with mental purity becomes inaction. This is the fire of knowledge which reduces the fuel of action into the ashes of non-action. Yadhaidhamsi samidhognir bhasmasat kurute arjuna jnanagnir sarvakarmani bhasmasat kurute tadha A mother beats her child and a stranger beats it. What a difference the same action produces. The former did it with love in order to improve the child. And, the, and so the action, though violent, will not leave a residue of bondage in her. In fact, the bondage might accrue if due to over-attachment and fear of what the child might think or even laziness, she desisted from reprimanding the child even when the necessity arises. So that even the inaction of not beating becomes an action which will produce a bondage in her, a link in the fetter of karma, for she has forsaken her swadharma. The former is a case of inaction in action and the latter action in inaction. By her very inaction she has produced an action which will bind her since she has denied her swadharma. No wonder the Lord says that strange are the ways of karma and even the wise are unable to comprehend the mysterious workings of the law of karma. All do not know the workings of this divine principle of action. And so the Lord describes some of the forms of sacrifices which yogis make. Whenever the mind fixes itself on something other than itself, that process is to be regarded as a sacrifice. A lower principle has to be sacrificed for the sake of a higher principle. 
contemplation on a deity wherein the surrender of oneself is implied is one kind of sacrifice. And it is a yoga because it is union of the lower with the higher by means of adoration. When the senses are withdrawn and fixed on the higher self, a sacrifice is performed. When the senses are concentrated on objects which are regarded as helpful in the sublimation of desire, a sacrifice is performed. When the powers of the mind, intellect, and senses are centered on the consciousness within, a yetnya is performed. When the breathing is regulated by the technique known as pranayama, a sacrifice or yetnya is performed. Whenever our joy is shared with another, we perform a yetnya. Here we are told that sacrifices which require physical material are lower than those which require only the mental function. A feeling of kindness and love for a beggar is a greater yetnya than the parting of a few coins without a feeling of charity. It is a feeling of vikarma that counts. And where that is absent, the outward show of charity is a mockery and cannot be termed as a yetnya. Therefore, the sacrifice of knowledge is the highest yetnya. When the physical offering is given with knowledge, that also attains the highest. Going to a temple or church and mouthing certain prayers and making certain offerings without understanding and without the loving participation of the heart is a mere waste of time and can under no consideration be termed as a yetnya. To know the true meaning of inaction in action, the Lord tells us to go and sit at the feet of the sages. For the sages so engaged in a thousand actions remain ever unattached, ever united with the divine within them. They tread the earth like emperors, though clothed in rags. The lofty ideals described in this chapter will become real to us only when we see it practiced in front of our own eyes in the life of a saint. Those who have had the opportunity of stay, staying with saints like Mahatma Gandhi, His Holiness Sri Shankaracharya of Kanchi Kamakodi, Swami Shivananda, etc., are amazed by the amount of work they seem to be able to put in without the least strain, ever smiling, ever ready to help. They work constantly 20 hours a day without any signs of fatigue. This is inaction in action. Their spring of energy gushes from a divine source which knows no exhaustion. Hence the great insistence in India upon satsang or the association of the good and saintly. 
for more than any book or lecture. Their lives can teach us from personal experience that which cannot be denied since we can see it with our own eyes. Take sanctuary with the saints, for silently they will teach us this knowledge. They need no words to teach. Their very existence is an imparting of knowledge. To sum up, this knowledge grows within ourselves. It cannot be got by mere reading. The actuality comes from within. The man practicing yoga finds it in himself in the cause of time. It grows within him and he grows into it. And as he grows in increasing desirelessness, equality, and devotion. Thus, when this knowledge dawns in him, the practice of karma yoga itself becomes a renunciation, and he becomes established in the self, and he is never bound by his karma. Hari Om Om Asadoma Sadgamaya Tamasoma Jyotir Gamaya Mrityorma Mrutam Gamaya Om Shanti 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 From the unreal, lead me to the real. From darkness, to life and from death to immortality. Om peace, peace, peace.
Kanna, 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 kanna